Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message. of our series that we've been in uh, um, about wisdom, about the wisdom of God. And um, let's go to our main scripture here. Our main scripture has been James, the first chapter, the fifth verse. James 1, chapter 5. In James 1, chapter 5, James says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And it will be. So God, in His Word, makes a lot of bold statements. And, and, and bold statement number one, if anybody lacks wisdom. If anybody lacks wisdom. I don't know how He, would say, he could say if anybody lacks. Because, I mean, you know, we all lack wisdom. They probably should have said everybody lacks wisdom and everybody needs to be asking of God. So the bold statement was, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Let who ask of God? The one who is Lacking, right? Lacking what? Lacking wisdom. And he says, and God will give to all. So how many people is all? Raise your hand if you're included in all. If you didn't raise your hand, you don't understand what all means. Because all means all. Anybody, everybody. If any person lacks wisdom, God's got so much wisdom. He says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him Ask of God who gives to all, not just a little. It doesn't say, oh my goodness, there's so many people without wisdom that I've got to uh, ration this wisdom out. No, no, he says, who gives to all liberally. Meaning, there's so much wisdom in God, in the Word of God and in the Spirit of God, there's so much wisdom available to you that it's actually given to you liberally. Meaning, too much, like I've got too, how many of you just would think, would say, I've got just too much wisdom. I got all the wisdom I can handle. Don't raise your hand and we'll pray for you. <laughs> Let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and I, and it will be given to him. And so as, as we've overstated in the past couple of weeks, we're not talking about simply gaining more knowledge. We've, we've gone over and above to make the distinction between knowledge and wisdom because sometimes people think that they just need more knowledge about something and they mistake that for wisdom. Knowledge is an information storage. It's just your information storage. Knowledge is knowing about fill in the blank. I know a lot about fill in the blank. Knowledge, I I, I started thinking about this because I started thinking about people who know a lot but have never done anything. You ever known that person? Ever known somebody who they're in a situation and, um, and, and they've either asked you for help or you just know they're in such bad, dire straits that you need to offer some help. And the whole time you're telling them what they need to do, they are not listening. They're constantly saying, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. You ever been around somebody like that? I know. What they're saying is they have a knowledge of what they should be doing. But without saying it, they're saying they don't know how to implement the knowledge that they have to correct the problem. You know, a lot of times you meet that with with addicts. You talk to them about stuff and 
and they, they know. They know. I have somebody that, uh, close to my life that I love that just has those problems. And if you were to sit down and talk to them and rational out with them and give them your knowledge and, and maybe even you, and your insight the whole time, all you would hear back was, I know, I know, I know, I know. But nothing ever changes because there's an information storage, but there's no wisdom there. Amen? Is this okay? Knowledge, I want, you to, um, I want you to think about this. The Lord dropped this in my heart and then backed it up with a scripture um, in James. Go to James, before I say this, go to James, the third chapter. We're actually going to read um, verse 17, maybe a little bit more. But I want you to catch this this morning. Knowledge without wisdom yields no fruit. Knowledge without wisdom yields no fruit. And I could go on and on and on giving examples of that. The best example that I can give that because we're talking about fruit is I can know where certain fruits and vegetables come from. I could get in the farmer's almanac and I could get in all these books and I could get on YouTube and I could watch people and I could understand and I could sit there and talk to someone about growing a garden and what all it takes to grow a garden and I can know all the different fertilizers and when to plant what and, and you know, what to do here and what to do there. But how many know all of that knowledge does not produce fruit in a garden? What produces fruit in the garden is taking that knowledge and then the wisdom to implement that and to till the ground properly and to test the ground properly and to plant the, uh, the, 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 the seed at the appropriate time and to water it the appropriate amount of time and to make sure that there's no... But all of that takes the knowledge, but you have to implement it with wisdom. And so when I was studying about this, the Lord said, said knowledge without wisdom yields no fruit. And have all the knowledge in the world about God, but if it's going to be fruitful in your life, you're going to have to have the wisdom of God to implement the Word of God in your life. Amen? Is this okay? So James, the third chapter, the 17th verse says, but the wisdom that is of, uh, let's back up, let's back up to verse 16. It says, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first Pure. The wisdom that is from above, meaning from God, from heaven, is first, it's absolutely pure. The wisdom of God is absolutely pure. What do, you, what do I mean by pure? Well, the wisdom of God is the knowledge of God implemented. Then that means that the purity comes from the motive, and the motive of your wisdom or of, or of implementing your knowledge, let's say it that way, has to come from a motive of 1 Corinthians 13, which is the God kind of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love believes the best. Love thinks no evil. Love, you know, all those things that the love of God is. Because if I have the knowledge of God, and then I have the wisdom of God, then it's only the wisdom of God if it's first pure. And the wisdom of God would never take advantage of anybody. The wisdom of God would never try to get over on anybody. The wisdom of God would never uh, uh, do some of the things that, that, that we consider people that are in the world wise. Like if you can get away with it, then it's, it's okay. No, 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 that's not the wisdom of God. Because first of all, James says the wisdom of God is pure. Then it's peaceable. Then it's peaceable and gentle. Willing to yield. Another translation says willing to submit. 
What does that mean? Willing to submit, willing to yield. It means willing to take a step back from a situation until you get the wisdom of God and not just diving in head first and, and manipulating the system and not just diving in head first and trying to get your way and only seeing it your way but giving an opportunity for the purity of God to work through you, for the peace of God to work through you. And so that you can, you're not submitting necessarily to evil and you're not submitting to wrong, but you're submitting to God and saying, God, I may not know how to deal with this right now. I know how to deal with this in the world, by the world standards, but I don't know how to deal with this right now. And I need your wisdom because the wisdom of God is first pure and then it's peaceable and gentle and then it's willing to yield. And watch this, and then it's full of mercy and good fruits. The wisdom of God is full of good fruit. Why? Because knowledge without wisdom, the wisdom of God, yields no fruit. But it's not just fruit, it's good fruit. Because you know, how many know people can have fruit in their life that's not necessarily good? Amen? You can have a lot of accomplishments, you could have done a lot of things, but it may not be good fruit, it may be fruit, it may be things you can point to, but it doesn't mean you did it in the way that God wanted you to do it. You may have gotten your way and you may have done the deal and you, and you may have done this, 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 and this, but it doesn't mean that it yielded good fruit. If it's gonna yield good fruit, then it has to come from the wisdom of God that knows how to implement the knowledge of God. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? Watch this. But the wisdom that is from God from above is first pure, then peaceable and gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Watch this. Now the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of being in right standing with God is sown in peace by those who make peace. If there's no peace in your life, the word of God has given you permission right now that if you'll gain the wisdom of God, how do we gain the wisdom of God? By asking God. And we're gonna go in deeper than that here in just a minute. But not only that, it's, it's understanding that, that if it is the wisdom of God, then it's, then it's peaceable, it is, it's pure, it's uh, willing to yield, it's, it, it's not dealing with hypocrisy. What do you mean hypocrisy? Hypocrisy says that I'm going to put demands on you that I wouldn't even put on myself. That's hypocrisy. You know, we talk a lot about hypocrites being in the church, but there's hypocrites everywhere. Right? You're, when, when you put a demand on someone that A, God doesn't even put a demand on, but B, you won't even put on yourself, you are a hypocrite. But the wisdom of God says, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace, but back up, it says that wisdom that is from above is first pure and then peaceable and gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So knowledge without wisdom yields no good fruit. We don't necessarily need more. Now, understand what I'm saying about this. If you're a baby Christian, and yes, you are in need of more knowledge. And yes, every one of us, it wouldn't hurt us to have more knowledge. So that's why I say we are not necessarily in need of more knowledge about God. I would dare to say that in this generation, you probably know more about God than almost any other uh, uh, generation because of the information that is at your fingertips. You can get on your phone, you can get on your computer, you can, you, there's so many resources for us to know 
as much as we need to know about God. So I say we don't necessarily need more knowledge about God. We need wisdom to walk out his leading that comes from the knowledge of his word and from the Holy Spirit. Amen? Knowledge is what to do. Knowledge is what to do. Wisdom is how, when, where, and with who. Knowledge is how to. Wisdom is how and when and where and most importantly, with who. You know, God cares about what you do with who you do it with. The Bible talks about not being unequally yoked. So a lot of times I think we think, like a bratty kid would say, I'll choose my own friends. You don't tell me who's going to be my friends. You know, most people, some people don't even grow out of that as, from, from junior high. Just run around with any old stray dog that'll let you. You know, God puts you in company with people that strengthen you. Right? And God, if you will allow him, will keep you away from people who will manipulate and keep you away from people who will keep you in a place of confusion, who will keep you in a place of deception. As a pastor, I've seen it so many times. Somebody's going along good, then all of a sudden, they get this new friend, they get this new relationship, they get this new um, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, and the wheels fall off. Because I guarantee you, they did not ask, God, should I be with this person? Should I be this connected with this person? They just enjoyed the company. Amen? I've been there. I've wanted to have a relationship with A, B, or C, different people. Well, you know, and to be honest with you, because I kind of thought it would help my status. Can I be honest in the church this morning? Because you've done it too. Help you get the deal. Help you get into the program. Help you in society, whatever it may be. But that is just worldly wisdom on how the world operates. God knows how to get you operating with his wisdom. And I guarantee you this, it doesn't bring as much sorrow. It doesn't bring any sorrow if you follow his plans and his purposes for your life. Is this okay? Knowledge is what to do. Wisdom is how, when, where, and with who. Knowledge. So here's a good example. We uh, just went out last night. And uh, we're privileged to be with uh, Sheldon and Morgan. They got engaged last night. About time, Sheldon. Let's give them a hand clap. That's what she said. I, I, didn't, I didn't say it. She, he said, will you marry me? She says, it's about time. <laughs> but I was thinking about this. And uh, I was thinking about how the word of God says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Amen? That's the knowledge of the word of God. Wisdom helps you find the good thing. Amen? I mean, you know, you can marry not the good thing, by boy or girl. Not the, not the right thing. So he who finds a wife finds a good thing. God doesn't want to just give you the knowledge that if you find a partner in life, if you find a, a, a husband or a wife in life, that it's a good thing. But it's only a good thing if the Lord ordered your steps to that person. Amen? That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. 
Wisdom helps us to correctly obtain that word from God. Without the wisdom of God, our knowledge has no motivation. Without the wisdom of God, our knowledge of the word has no motivation. Now, I'm, I'm only saying this because it's the, it's the car that came to mind, but it would not be the car that I would choose anyway, but just for the, for the sake of an illustration. Knowledge without wisdom is like having a pristine Rolls Royce. I know, down here in East Texas, who cares, really? You know what I mean? It's just a, uh, it's a, it's a car that's worth a lot of money, and um, we, we probably should have said, a, you know, a, a pristine, you know, F-250 or something. I don't know. But we'll just go with the Rolls Royce. But knowledge is like, uh, knowledge without wisdom is like having a pristine Rolls Royce without an engine. Knowledge without wisdom is like having a pristine Rolls Royce without an engine. What do, what do you mean by that? Well, it's very impressive to look at, but that's about it. I have been impressed by people's knowledge before. I have listened to men and women with extreme knowledge about something. But then you have the opportunity to kind of really see their life, like, like if it's somebody on stage or a pastor or a minister or something like that, and I'm just, I'm amazed at their knowledge. And then you kind of go behind the scenes and you see no fruit of that knowledge. There's no engine. There's no motivation. There's no good fruit. It's just the ability to store knowledge and regurgitate that knowledge. That's why I like to preach the way I preach because I'm not concerned about you gaining more knowledge about God this morning. I want to see you access and use and implement that knowledge with the wisdom of God because I don't want you to just look good on the outside. I want you to run right on the inside. Amen? Is this all right? It's the wisdom of God that propels you into the promises of God. So, how do we get wisdom? I got plenty of time. How do we get wisdom? Well, first of all, we, we understand by our main scripture, we do what? Okay, we'll go back to square one. How do we get, how does the word of God say we get the wisdom of God? We ask. We ask. No trick questions. I'm not tricking you this morning. We ask. If anyone lacks, let him ask, and God gives liberally. I believe, this, this is something that I've found to be true in my life, that before I ever act on something, even in the Word of God, my first action is to ask based on the Word of God, and my second action after that is to quote the Word of God, the Scripture, over my life by faith. Amen? Romans 4.17 says, Calling those things that are not as though they were. Calling those things that were not as though they were. Let's go uh, to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. In Hebrews 11, some of you are probably really, really familiar about this. I'm going to tie this together here in just a second. It tells us all about the men and women in the Bible who obtained what the Bible says a good testimony by faith. And Romans says that they did it, that by faith, 
calling those things that weren't as though they were. That's different than asking. Right? Confessing is different than asking. Asking is asking. Father, I thank you. And we're not asking based on stuff we make up in our head. We're asking based on stuff he said we could ask for. So, if you've learned nothing else over the last three weeks, we should know that it is perfectly biblical that if anyone lacks wisdom, he can do what? He can ask. So if I'm lacking wisdom, the first step is I'm thanking God. I thank you, Father, that I have not just wisdom, I have your wisdom in this situation right now. But in Hebrews 11, it talks about all the people who obtained the promises of God through faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2 says, for by it, faith, uh, meaning faith, so by faith, the elders obtained. If I obtain something, that means I have it. Currently have it. So going back to verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, meaning by faith, the elders obtained. They obtained what? What did it say that they obtained? They obtained a good testimony. What would be a good testimony? A good testimony, you know, a lot of times we think of a testimony as just uh, the fact that uh, we, um, we got saved. And that is a good testimony. Getting saved is the best testimony to have. I once was lost and now I'm saved. But in all of these different people, it went through all different kinds of things. And, and, and the, the, uh, the thing that holds all of their testimonies together is one simple fact that they obtained a good testimony that they did everything God told them to do. Amen? That's obtaining a good testimony. And so it says they obtained... And I, I'm going to add this part in there. For by it, by it, meaning faith, the elders obtained, went from knowledge of its possibility to it being actuality. Go back and read on your own time. It's called the Hall of Faith. It's all the different people in the Bible who obtained what God asked them to do by faith. So these people went from knowledge about its possibility to actually obtaining it. And how did they do it? The Bible says by faith. Right? Is this all right? So let's go back to our main scripture. James, the first chapter. I want to show you something. Because we only really have read, I think the first week we read further than this, but up until then, I mean, since then, we haven't, we've only stayed on, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So does God say it might be? I'm telling you, you got to get bold. If you're going to have this in your life, you got to get bold. You can't be mousy with the things of God. Amen? You know what I mean by that? Well, God, if you just see fit, and you think I don't need to be stupid about this anymore. Well, God, if you're just tired of me being ignorant, I'd like some wisdom on this. No, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask, and it will be given to him liberally and without reproach. Isn't that what it says? And it 
will be given. Not maybe, not might, it will be given. So going back to verse five, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Verse six though, but let him ask in faith. What is asking in faith? Well, James explains, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. That's the trick, with no doubting. For he who doubts, and he goes on to talk about the detriment that doubting can be to you standing on the word of God. Doubt will literally steal the thing from you that God says that is yours, you can have it. And then we'll go around and say, God didn't do it. When God says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and he'll give it to you liberally without reproach. Anyone who asks, he will, they will have that wisdom. But let him ask in faith and not doubting. Why would he say not doubting? Because he knows doubt is what takes away what God says is yours. Jesus said the same thing. Jesus says, have faith in God. For even if you were to speak to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea, it'll be done for you. For whatever you say out of your mouth, believe in your heart and say with your mouth without doubting. When it says whatever, it means whatever you say from the promises of God. But it gets deeper. It says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. What do you think the wind is? Is the wind God? No, the wind is the confusion of your emotions. The wind is your intellect trying to tell you this is impossible. I don't care what the Word of God says. It's never happened for this person, and they seem real spiritual. And You know, it should have happened to that person, but it didn't happen to that person. That's the wind. That's the deception of the enemy coming in to blow you off of the facts that God says if you lack wisdom, you can ask and it'll be given to you liberally and without reproach. But when you're asking, you can't ask in, in doubt. You have to ask in faith because if you're asking in, in, in faith and then you get into doubt, what does it say? It says that you're like a wave that is driven by the sea and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose... What type of man? A doubting man. A doubting person. Let that man not suppose that he'll receive anything from God. This is one of my absolute favorite passages that I've ever gained a revelation on. And the reason why is because I think it holds the key as to what stands in the way of us individually having the promises of God. Because James, the actual brother of Jesus, tells us that if we get into doubt when we're standing in faith for something God says is ours, then we'll be tossed around by all the different winds. Another scripture talks about winds of doctrine, winds of different doctrine. Anybody ever had to, tried to stand for something? Maybe you were standing for your health or your healing. Maybe you were, you were standing for some kind of financial thing. Maybe you were standing for different things. And you got around a person that brought in doubt. Well, that, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that, that happened to my, my great uncle Tommy way back in the 1700s. And, you know, he just died. 
I, I, I just got an ingrown toenail. I know, it can happen. You might die. Right? All these different things. That's, that's, that's stuff getting in there that puts a seed on the inside. You've got to protect the promises of God on the inside of you. If that means you've got to keep them private... If that means, you know, you, you feel like you don't have anybody to vent to. I challenge anybody to go in the Bible and find a scripture that says that when you're having problems and you need to know something, go vent to the first person that will let you cry on their shoulder. It's not in there. But what is in there, it says you can come to the Father. It says that you can come boldly before the throne room of grace to obtain mercy and help in a time of need. That's in there. That's in there. Why? Because when you're in the throne rooms of grace, when you're in the throne room of God and you need wisdom, you're going to be getting the absolute best help and the absolute best wisdom that you can get on that subject. But when you go out into other places, you go out in the world, well, maybe they'll understand me because I think they had kind of the same problem. They may be so bent up and twisted from the problem they had, all they want to do is make sure that you come and join their pity party. They don't want you to get out of, out of the one you're in. It's the difference between having knowledge about God and how the world works and having wisdom, supernatural wisdom. You have to ask, but that asking is in faith, calling those things that aren't as though they were, not doubting, but declaring that I have the wisdom of God. That's declaring. Asking is saying, I thank you, Father, that your word says that if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Well, I'm here asking. I'm here asking, and your word promises that if I'll ask in faith without doubting that it'll be given unto me liberally. I need, some, I need that wisdom, Father, and I just thank you that I have it. That's asking. Confessing after, the, after that is beginning to declare that what you asked for, you have, even when you don't have it. Why we say that doesn't make any sense? Well, it doesn't if you don't know the Word of God. The Word of God says that faith gives substance to things hoped for. That faith calls those things that aren't as though they were. But doubt says, I hope it will. Well, I'm just waiting on God to come through. Well, I don't know. Well, you know, I thought it was going to happen, but now I'm not quite sure. Doubt comes across as venting. Doubt comes across as pity parties. Doubt comes across as, as trying to find somebody to console and to understand. But faith stands up and says, this is what God promises, and I declare it's in my life now. Even if 100 people come by and go, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to all of us. And I say, no, I'm not lying. I'm standing in faith because the Word of God says it's mine. Amen? And here's the thing. We talk about having faith. We're not having faith in our own word. It's not faith in my word. It's not faith in my thoughts. It's not faith in my, my um, uh, desires. It's not faith in my opinions. This is not conjuring up a lie that you want to be true. Does this make sense? I'm not, I'm not going around going, you know what, this would be cool. I, I thank you, Father, right now that I sprout wings and fly. That's a lie. 
can't find that in the Word of God. If you're going to be doing any flying, it's because Jesus is going to show up in the eastern sky and he's going to call you home. Right? Either that or on 747. One of the two. But it's finding the word of God. See, my, my faith is not in what I can come up with. It's not faith in my opinion. Look, in, in case nobody's ever told you this, I just I can't in good faith let you walk out of here and not know this bit of information. So listen, sometimes your opinions are wrong. Sometimes you don't know what you're talking about. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes your selfishness gets in the way and tells you something that's not true. Why? Because you're human. And we're not always relying on the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God. Sometimes we pay more attention to our emotions and our desires and what our flesh wants and it gets us into trouble. And that's why you need to be so involved in, 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 in how you think and how you react and where you go and what you do and the word of God has got to be so involved in that and prayer has got to be so involved in that because if not, you're no longer following the word of God. You're no, follow, no longer following the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're following yourself and then you're going around telling everybody else that God is for you, not against you. God is for you in the sense that he loves you and he wants his plan and his purpose to come to pass in your life as he has written it up since before you were formed in your mother's womb. But he may not be for the direction you're going right now. He may not be for the thoughts and the opinions that you hold right now. Is this okay? This will help you. So I don't have faith in my word, in my thoughts, in my desires, in my opinions. I cannot in good conscience declare with boldness and unwavering faith a personal thought or a personal belief. The base of what I'm standing in faith for has to be in the word of God. Listen, I've done it both ways. And I wouldn't even consider what I was praying for to be really selfish or anything like that. But, but I knew that I, uh, when I prayed it out, I didn't have good base in the word of God for it. And I remember when I'd pray it out, I'd go, oh, that just don't feel right. Why? Because it's not founded in the word of God. But now, if you get into the, in the scripture right here, I can tell you uh, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, if you're lacking wisdom on something, you can stand uh, and, and on that promise and you can confess that you have the wisdom of God in every situation. Why? Because... The boldness that comes from understanding the word of God. That's where the knowledge needs to be. That's why you need knowledge. So I'm not knocking knowledge. But until you begin to put the wisdom of God with the knowledge of God, you're not going to have the good fruit that comes from standing on the word of God. Amen? So one that has served me most um, in really some miraculous ways over the years that I prayed over myself just got a few more minutes. I really want to get to something. Uh, but Colossians 4.6. Colossians 4.6. I have prayed this over, over my life. I don't know. Maybe for the past 13, 14 years. And I remember the first time it showed up. But Colossians 4.6 says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer each one. This is a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the Colossians. And he's talking to them as Christians, as, as saints of God. And he's saying, listen, I'm praying that your speech always be with grace. 
but not watered down, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer each one. And I have prayed that and prayed that and prayed that. And I'll sit down with my scriptures in the morning and I'll pray. And this is how I pray that. I say, Father, I thank you that my speech is full of grace, is full of favor, is full of mercy. But it's seasoned. There's depth to it. That's what salt does, right? When you season something with salt. You can take a good piece of meat and that's all you need is salt. Why do you need salt? Because it brings out the depth of the flavor. So I thank you my speech is full of your grace. But that it has depth. And I thank you, Father, that in every single situation, I will know how to answer. Even if I don't know, I'll know. And and my wife is sitting there as my witness. The first time this came up was the first church we tried tried out for. And, and, And something on the inside of me told me that we were not doing this the proper way, but I felt like nothing else was, was really working, so, so we, we just, you know, got on the internet and looked for churches that were open. You know, somebody told me that, you know, you better get to looking because, you know, a church to go pastor is not going to fall on your head like ripe cherries off a tree. But I just felt like that whatever, wherever the Lord wanted me to go, they would, you know, they would somehow know. And so anyway, I got on the internet and I found this place because I was looking for places that I would like to be. Not necessarily where God wanted me to be, although I did want where God wanted me to be, but I'm thinking, well, if I'm choosing, Hawaii it is. No, I don't want to live there. I want to live in the northwest corner of Arkansas, but I didn't see anything up there, but I I saw this church in Jonesboro. So I applied. The crazy thing is, is that church, I'm not bragging, I I I don't know why this happened or how this happened, but this church had received, I think, upwards of 300 applications. And these applications were big and thick, and I wrote an email. I just wrote an email and said who I was, and it was probably about two paragraphs. And the guy that was over the committee called me, and he goes, I really don't know why I'm calling you. We've got over 300 applications Big, thick applications with all kinds of accomplishments and degrees. And you sent us an email, but everybody in the, in the pastoral search committee board put yours on top, and they want, to, they want to meet you. I said, okay. They wanted me to preach Easter. We didn't think that that was a good idea, so I asked for a Wednesday night. They were not happy that it was a Wednesday night because they said nobody would show up. I don't think they had had 80 people coming to service at that point. But on a Wednesday night, over 80 people came on a Wednesday night. Preaching went good. Everything went great. But I had some interaction with some of the board members. And Christy and I had been praying that when we see the place, we'll know it. That's what we were praying. That's what we were confessing. When we see the place, we'll know the place. Well, we had some interaction with a board member that that I won't get into. But we knew when we walked out of that dinner... That was not the place. The problem was is we had committed to doing a breakfast with the actual entire search committee the next morning. And I'd actually told Christy at the hotel, I said, We're, let's not even go. I mean, we know this isn't the place. Let's not go. And of course, with her wisdom, she said, you know, I think that even though 
we know this isn't the place. Maybe it'll at least give us some experience. We've never done this before. So let's just go and listen to them. Listen, this pastoral search committee was, here is some Chick-fil-A um, chicken biscuits, and then it was rapid-fire questioning from everybody in the room with no, no ability to study before they asked the questions. No precursor, just question after question. And some of them were so laughable that I had to just hold my tongue because they were the most, some of them, not all of them. But there were some of them that were super deep. And I'm telling you, there was a depth, and I'm not bragging on me, but I pray these scriptures over my life. And there was such a depth that came out of my answers that when we got back in the car, we were driving and I asked Christy, I said, was, was anything strange about that? Because yes, I was in control. I'm not going to say I was out of control. But it was just knowledge was just coming up. I, I had to go back and look because I don't even know the answer right now. But somebody asked me about sovereignty. And I knew how many times the word sovereignty was mentioned in the Bible. I had to go back and count it and it was right. And I asked her, I said, was something strange? She goes, Hagen, I, I know you, and I know what you know. That was her nice way of saying, I know you're ignorant. <laughs> she said, I know what you know, because you talk all the time. She's like, I had to look over a couple of times and wonder who was that sitting next to me. That's the wisdom of God. Yes. That's not on my account. That's available, as God says, to all. You don't have to be lacking in wisdom on how to be a dad, how to, how to be a husband, how to be a wife, how to be a mother, how to be grandparents. You don't have to be lacking in wisdom in that situation that's come up that you don't know how to manage, you don't know how to navigate. Because God's not left us here by ourselves. We can access his knowledge. We can access his wisdom. And he wants you to. I purposely confessed this scripture over my life long before I ever needed it. I want to I just go to this little book because I haven't had this book but maybe a few years. And the reason why I get it is because it's easy for me to tell other people, hey, go get this book. Because before I had this book, I actually went through my Bible and I took a different color highlighter and I just highlighted the promises of God. I highlighted prayers and, and that's where I, I began to pray Colossians 4, 6 over my life. And, and, and many more, many more. But this book here has, has just, uh, it's called uh, God's Creative Power. It's the gift collection. Um, but it has like um, uh, the scripture in here, but it's, it's the scripture written in a confession. And the first little um, part here is to defeat worry and fear. So when you got worry and fear in your life, rather than just saying, oh God, help, we're confessing what his word says is for us. But right here, I want to just skip to this part because there's a whole part on uh, wisdom and guidance. And so in the mornings, I actually confess all of these over my life, over my kids' life. I confess this over our church and our staff. But listen to this. This, this comes out of John 16, 13 and James 5, 1, 5. So this is like two scriptures, but they've made a confession out of these scriptures. It says, the spirit of truth abides in me and teaches me all things and he guides me into all truths. Therefore, 
I confess I have perfect knowledge of every situation and every circumstance that I come up against, for I have the wisdom of God. That's different from asking. We've already asked. And now we just confess that we have it. Amen? I trust in the Lord with all of my heart, and I lean not against my own understanding. That's Proverbs 3, 5. In all of my ways, I acknowledge him, and he directs my path. That's Proverbs 3, 6. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. That's uh, Psalms 138.8. I let the word of Christ dwell in me richly in all wisdom. Colossians 3.16. I do follow the good shepherd and I know his voice and the voice of a stranger I do not follow. That's John 10.4 and 5. Jesus has made unto me wisdom and righteousness, sanctification and redemption. Therefore I confess I have the wisdom of God and I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's 1 Corinthians 1.30, 2 Corinthians 5.21. I'm filled with the knowledge of the Lord's will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's Colossians 1.9. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Therefore, I have the mind of Christ and the wisdom of God is formed within me. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17, Ephesians 2.10, 1 Corinthians 2.16. I have put off the old man and I have put on the new man which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created me. That's Colossians 3.10. I receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation the knowledge of him, the eyes of my understanding, being enlightened. And I am not conformed to this world, but I am transformed by the renewing of my mind. My mind is renewed by the word of God. That's Ephesians 1.17 and 18 and Romans 12.2. And there's, there's different ones and. And you can go through and you can find all the scriptures yourself. So, I mean, I, I would just say you just start where you can start. But that's an easy little, uh, easy little book to pick up and it's an easy thing to do. And, and I sit out on my front porch almost every morning. And uh, if I don't get to do it there, then I'll come in the office and do it. And in my times of prayer, a lot of times the first thing I do is I pick that up. I don't have to have a feeling. I don't have to have a desire. I don't have to have a want to. All I have to know is that's the Word of God, and the Word of God says uh, that, that, uh, that I can, uh, whatever I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth, I, I have what I say I have, and I'm standing on His Word, and God said that this Word is for me, and so I declare I have this in my life in Jesus' name. And you might, come, you might not uh, know that, uh, like I was confessing those, those scriptures in my life uh, for, for some time. And then, like I said, it's, that's not been the only time. That's just one of the most, that's the, really one of the first times I noticed it. There's been many times after that. But after that happened to me in that pastoral search committee, I walked out knowing that that is a direct effect of quoting and, and confessing and standing on the Word of God for my life. That it was accessed when I needed it. Amen? Is that all right? Is that encouraging? I want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the Word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times, on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.